I want to speak to you this morning about the kingdom of God. Now, I know that that's a subject that probably many of you may be familiar with, um, but I think about uh, what Peter and Paul wrote about um, stirring up your pure minds to bring you into remembrance of some things. Uh, the kingdom of God is a very special subject. Uh, it's an important subject. If, if, someone, if someone were to ask me, um, give me three or four uh, just vital topics that need to be understood to make the Bible um, come together, make sense, and just seem uh, continuous from start to finish, the kingdom of God will be one of those. Um, having a good understanding of what the Bible is talking about when it refers to the kingdom of God. And I want to look at that this morning. Uh, if you ask most people, uh, what do you think the Bible is talking about when it refers to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? Uh, those are, are, are interchangeable. Uh, the book of Matthew refers to it as the kingdom of heaven mostly. But the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, what do you think that means when you read that in the Bible? The majority of the people that you talk to are probably going to tell you that I believe that that means uh, we are talking about heaven. And what I want to do this morning is to look at that and try to show you that while that is one application of it, it is certainly not the primary application of it. There's a bigger uh, uh, umbrella, I guess, that the kingdom of God covers than just um, heaven. And I, I want to specifically also as we get towards the end of this message this morning, is for you to ask yourself, what does, what does my story look like when it comes to the kingdom of heaven? Yours as an individual, what does your story look like when it comes to the kingdom of heaven? And just to, uh, just to prove through the scripture that the kingdom of, uh, kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God is not always actually talking about heaven, I want to look at just a few scriptures here. One of those, uh, and you can flip there, jot this down, is in Luke the 10th chapter in verse 9 where the Lord says that the kingdom of heaven is come nigh or near unto you. He says the kingdom of heaven is come near unto you. It's very, very close. He also says in Luke the 17th chapter, there's probably one of the most um, compelling verses about the kingdom of heaven that proves that it's not just heaven is the Lord says that the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. He says, neither shall they say lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So that tells us a couple things. Number one, that the kingdom of God is near to us. The kingdom of God uh, does not come with observation. The kingdom of God is inside of us. Now, um, that's just a few of, of many verses that you could look at just to lay the groundwork that we're not always talking about heaven when we mention the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. I want to look at a few others here in just a minute. Um, I have heard explained many different ways explaining the kingdom of God, but the best way that I have heard the kingdom of God explained is the kingdom of God is wherever the Lord is reigning, wherever the Lord is ruling. And, and, that, and we accept that. You know, you think about uh, anytime you hear of somebody's kingdom, you know that that kingdom, it, it, the boundaries of that kingdom stretch as far as that person's authority and rule goes. And once that person's authority and rule runs out, then you're no longer in that kingdom. But the kingdom of God uh, is wherever he is ruling and reigning. Is he reigning in heaven? Absolutely. But is he also reigning in the lives of his people here and now on this earth? Well, yeah, we sure hope so, right? 
So the kingdom of God, his authority and his rule, it, is, it extends beyond heaven and into the lives of his people here. And now, because the Bible talks about that uh, he puts his spirit inside of us, we call that the new birth, and we become the temple of God, where the temple of God rules and reigns. Now, the Bible tells us in Matthew, the 11th chapter, that the kingdom of God suffereth violence. The kingdom of God suffers violence. Now, when I read over into Revelations and I read about uh, the, 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 really the limited picture that we get of heaven, one of the things that is very clear about heaven itself is that there is no violence. That the Lord is, does not allow anything that is an abomination or anything that loveth or maketh a lie into heaven. So heaven is a place, the Bible tells us, where pain is gone, sorrow is gone, where he has wiped away all of our tears. does not sound like a place that suffers violence in heaven. But clearly the Bible says that the kingdom of God suffers violence. So that lets me know that the kingdom of God extends beyond just the halls of heaven and extends also down here to this earth in the lives of his people. Now, how does the kingdom of God suffer violence? Well, do we not read about how the powers of darkness are always trying to work contrary to the things of the Spirit? Now, if the kingdom of God comes not with observation, but the, as the Lord says, the kingdom of God is within you, does the kingdom of God inside of you suffer violence? Yes. There is a war raging, and the, Satan and all the powers of darkness, they are trying to rule. They are trying to rule your heart and your mind. And how often do they succeed? So if Satan is trying to rule the kingdom that lives inside of us, we certainly can say that the kingdom of God suffers violence on this side of heaven. Now, the Bible also tells us in Matthew, the 21st chapter, that the Lord is speaking to uh, some um, disobedient, rebellious Jews, the Hebrew people. And he tells them in Matthew, the 21st chapter, he says, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to another. Speaking of the Gentiles. Now, we know that the Bible is clear. That the Lord says that not one of my people will be lost. So we know that the Lord is not saying I'm taking heaven away from you. And now your eternal destination is hell and I'm giving heaven to somebody else. But what he's saying is, you are my people and I have ruled inside of you. I ha you have been part of my kingdom, but you have been a disobedient, stiff-necked, gainsaying people. So I'm taking that kingdom away from you. Now listen, folks, that's a sad place to be. What happens when those people die and they close their eyes? They open them to see the Lord in all of his glory and them as one of his blood-bought children. But between that point and their death, the Lord says, I'm backing up. You have rejected me and rejected me and I'm taking my rule away from you. Now, what keeps the child of God safe? The convicting power of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. I don't want that taken away from me. I want to feel that, that prick in my heart when I do something wrong. And I want to feel the Lord through prayer and, and meditation, the Lord guiding my steps and my thoughts. I want to feel that. Now, the devil does not want me to feel that. 
The devil wants me to listen to my own wicked heart. And again, there again, there's the violence. And the Lord says, I'm taking that away from you. God forbid that any of us should ever conduct ourselves in such a way that we become unprofitable citizens of the kingdom of God. May he always be able to look and find fruit in our lives and, 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 and to, to prune us, to make us grow and to experience deeper and deeper levels of the kingdom. I don't want the kingdom of God taken away from me. But clearly that is something that can't happen. Now, and I, you know, I, in a very, very uh, sad thing to think about is I've seen it several, several times um, in our time here at Bethlehem. You, you know, I've seen people, and it, and it really relates back to the parable of the sower. I've seen people, you know, they come to the church and they, they hear the gospel preached. Maybe they hear things that they've never heard before. And they enjoy the fellowship and they're excited and there's just something vibrant about the way they feel about what they are experiencing here. That's what I call the kingdom of God being nigh unto you. So that you're, they're so close to just stepping in and experiencing the kingdom of God and where the Lord is ruling and reigning. But then the violence starts. And it's like Paul said. The, the war in the members of my flesh and, and in my mind, some things come along and for some reason or another, they are swept away. And you think you were so close. You were just right there on the outskirts of the kingdom of the promised land to go further and further in and experience all the joys and the riches of the Lord. But whatever happened and they're swept away. And I think you are so close. So close to the kingdom. Now, you pray that those people come back, but oftentimes they never do. It's heartbreaking to see somebody be so close to the kingdom. What is our responsibility concerning the kingdom? I think you can find that in Luke, the 16th chapter. In the 16th verse, it says this, The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. Now, we've preached that verse a lot, but what does that tell us? If we're pressing into something, that requires some effort on our part. It is something that we look at, we see the kingdom, and we press ourselves into that kingdom. You have got to be intentional and focused about pressing into the kingdom because you've got a rope tied around your waist and Satan is trying to pull you out of the kingdom. And you'll have that rope on you until you die. Because sin reigneth up until death. So Luke the 16th chapter, we read about pressing into the kingdom of God. And, for, and, I, and I may have used this example here, but for sake of simplicity, this is how I think about the kingdom of God a lot of times. Probably everybody in here at some point or another has played a video game. I remember when Josh and I were kids, we had, you know, an Atari. And, you know, it was very limited to what you can do. But I remember that when one of our neighbors got the very first Nintendo and the game that the Nintendo came with was Super Mario Brothers and Josh and I just thought it didn't get any better than this and 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 it wasn't and so we got to play that on a limited basis but then one day we got our own Nintendo 
And of course, we were restricted. You know, you just can't sit there until your, you know, your eyes are falling out playing Nintendo. But we would play that Super Mario Brothers game, and and like a lot of the video games that people have, it had different levels. And at the end of each level, there would be some sort of challenge, maybe some sort of uh, villain that you had to fight and destroy to get to the next level. And that's the way a lot of video games are. And as, you know, as we grew up playing, you'd get another video game and you'd try to you know, defeat all the challenges to get to the final level and win the game. The kingdom of God's a lot like that. <clears throat> that there are people that are on the very lowest level of the kingdom of God. <clears throat> they don't know. I can remember being a kid playing that first level. I had no idea what the deep levels of that game were about. I didn't know what those levels looked like. I didn't know what those challenges were. I didn't know how we were going to feel when we got to playing them. There are people that are on the very lowest level of the kingdom of God with no idea the riches and the depth of the wonderful things of God that are to come as you press further and further into the kingdom. But... There are challenges along the way. And a lot of times those challenges we get to and we think, oh, all is lost. And we're swept away by the world and we never go any deeper into the kingdom of God than that moment. But the kingdom of God is about pressing into it. And, go, and I would like to think that I am further into the kingdom of God and I've gotten more of an understanding now and he is ruling over my life more now than he was 10 or 15 years ago. I hope that I've pressed further and further into the kingdom. I know I fail at that many times. But I hope I find a challenge in my life and through prayer and through counsel of godly people, through study of the scriptures, that I'm able to overcome that challenge and find a deeper and deeper level into the kingdom and not just turn and walk away from it. Now, think about this. <clears throat> I want you to think about Jonah for just a minute. OK, Jonah is a prophet of God. And there comes a time that the prophet of God is at a certain place in the kingdom of God, right? And then all of a sudden, this great challenge comes up for him. What is that challenge? That the Lord requires him to go and preach to a city that he does not want to go preach to. He has zero thought that there's going to be a great revival, that there's going to be any measure of repentance. And he thinks, this can only end bad for me. I do not want to do it. And so as he hears the instruction of the Lord, he begins to feel that rope on his waist pulling him. And Jonah's got to make a decision. <clears throat> am I going to press further into the kingdom or am I just going to step back and let Satan pull me back out of the kingdom? And listen, when Jonah, when Jonah was on that ship sailing the other way, Jonah is not in the kingdom of God. Jonah is in the kingdom of Jonah because Jonah is ruling and reigning. Right? Are you with me? Do you think Jonah was happy? Do you think Jonah felt great measures of joy? 
as he was sailing the other way and the, and the ship was being tossed, do you think he felt great joy when he's sitting in the, the, the belly of the well with seaweed wrapped all around him and the acid of the stomach and the stench that must have been in there? Do you think the kingdom of Jonah is a pleasant place for Jonah? Absolutely not. What about the rich young ruler? Was he not experiencing part of the kingdom of God as he walked in obedience? And then all of a sudden he comes to the Lord with a great challenge. If you want to follow me, sell everything you've got, give it to the poor and come on. All right, here's a chance for him to continue to press. But he gives in to that tug and he walks away. Into the kingdom of his own self. Now, it's interesting to me that you never read about the rich young ruler again. You never, we don't know the end of his story, but unless he repented and turned back and came to the Lord, which if that were the case, I kind of feel like maybe the Lord would have told us about that. Because that would be wonderful. But you never hear about the rich young ruler again. So close to the next level for the kingdom of God, but he gave in and he was swept away back into his own kingdom. What about a man named Demas? Are you familiar with that man? A man named Demas was a, uh, he was a uh, fellow laborer with Paul and had been through with Paul through many journeys. But there comes a point that Paul is writing, I believe he's writing uh, Timothy. Don't hold me to that, but I believe Paul is writing Timothy. And he says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. All right, so Demas is in the kingdom of God, laboring with Paul, and he just gets so eaten up with the ideas of what are going on in the world, and he's swept back into his own kingdom. Now, we probably all at some point have been a Demas, but I would say the majority of God's people today are following the path of Demas. Why do you say, oh, Brother Luke, that's harsh. How do you say that? I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says that straight is the gate and narrow is the way and few there be that find it. That is not talking about heaven. That is talking about the kingdom. The kingdom of God. The Bible says there are very few pressing in and down the road that the kingdom of God is on. And Demas is pulled off into his own kingdom. And this is the rich young ruler and Luke and you at times and, and Jonah are pulled off of the straight way of the kingdom and pulled off into their own kingdoms where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Listen, you don't want to live in my kingdom. I've tried it. I just kind of mess everything up. I don't need to guide my own self. I'm too prideful. I'm too selfish. And I'm too oblivious to the, what's going on around me with God's people sometimes. You don't want to live in my kingdom. I don't want to live in my kingdom. I want to live in God's kingdom. Amen. I want him to guide and direct me. Now, I want you to think about it just a couple more here. What about, what about Paul? What about Silas? What about Peter? I want you to think about some of these brothers that are in the kingdom of God and they're pressing into the kingdom and all of a sudden they meet challenges of the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and 
though they are imprisoned and beaten and put in jail and put in stocks and put in chains and they're laying here in these prisons, you know what's easy to do at that moment? Is to just turn around and go back into your own kingdom. But what do they do? They press further into the kingdom. And do you remember they're singing uh, hymns? It was Paul and Silas singing hymns at midnight. They felt the tug of the rope. And I think they grabbed that rope and snatched it back and said, I'm going further into this kingdom. They would have, all right, you know what was, you know what was past that challenge? Do you know what was past the challenge of them being in those stocks and chains and continuing to press into the kingdom? A miracle where God comes and shakes the prison walls and shakes loose the chains off of their bodies, which they would have never experienced had they have given in to that pull of Satan and turned and went back into their own kingdom. That's pressing into the kingdom. Now, what about Stephen? You remember Stephen? Who is one of very few disciples of Christ that are willing to stand up against the Pharisees and say, this is the truth. This is how it is. These are your sins. This is what you have done to Christ. And he looks at them and says, you are wrong in how you treated the Lord Jesus Christ. And what they do? All right, again, what's the easy thing to do? What, is the, what does the kingdom of Stephen have? The kingdom of Stephen has not being stoned. The kingdom of Stephen has being released from the bonds of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's got continued years. He's got more life ahead of him in his own kingdom. So he faces the challenge of, am I just going to say, never mind that y'all are right and the Lord was wrong, or am I going to press into the kingdom and face this challenge? And that's what he does. And listen, when I die, Chances are, somehow or another, my eyes will just close in death. When he died, he got to look up into heaven the moments before he died and saw Christ standing beside the Father. And in my opinion, he's standing in, in awe and approval of this saint of God pressing into that kingdom. Amen. He would have never experienced that. That's, see, that's a deeper level. That is a deeper level of the kingdom of God than he had before they took him. He would have never experienced it if he'd have gone and lived in his own kingdom. Now, so here's my question to you. What does your story look like if it were written out and people were reading about it 500 years from now? What does your story look like when it comes to the kingdom of God? Will they look at you and say, my goodness, that brother or sister, they pressed further into the kingdom. And look at how the Lord revealed himself to them on the other side of those challenges. Or is your story going to read, they were so close to the kingdom. But the Lord, pulled, I mean, uh, Satan pulled them back. And they, they quit pressing in and they went to live in their own kingdom. And sometimes were so miserable they didn't even realize it. That's a sad place. You know, some people are so miserable they don't even realize they're miserable because that's all they know. They don't know joy. They don't know peace. They think misery is par for the course. What will your story read like? I hope that 50, 100, 
150 years from now, your ancestors that come after you can say, let me tell you about somebody that was in your lineage. Let me tell you about some challenges they faced. Let me tell you how they continued to seek the Lord. And let me tell you how they climbed deeper and deeper into the levels of the kingdom of God because they were unwilling to quit pressing in. That was their goal. And that's our goal. I hope that's been profitable to you. And please pray for Brother Tim as he comes.